This is episode 21 with Virginia Elder about how to have an abundant life, change your money mindsets as mothers, and raise kids with smart money skills. So then fast forward just a little bit until you're seven years old. And so you can look at this for your kid if you have a kiddo that's about seven Or if you want to think about your own personal life, like where were you and where was your family when you were seven? Because by seven, we develop our money mindset. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. I'm so happy you're listening in today. So have you ever thought, when should I teach my child about money? Are there money mindsets that you as a mother or mother-to-be have that are preventing you from having this abundant life? What exactly should you be teaching to your kids? And at what point should we be giving them money? And all these little questions that unfortunately we don't learn all these smart money skills in school. And today, Virginia is helping us break it down and making it very simple for you as a mother to teach your child and live confidently, successfully in what we do and where we're at. To make it very simple for you, Virginia broke it down by age category. After we talk about her, we'll be talking about what exactly you can be telling your kids, helping them out with, and teaching them. So we'll break it down by 0 to 2, 3 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 and over. One more thing, make sure you check out the, the bonus PDF of good money mindset phrases to use with your kids. Yes, we have to teach our kids, but what exactly should I be telling them? And there's some phrases that we use that we should never use because it will bring the scarcity and mindset of not having enough. So make sure to click on the PDF bonus files that is included with this episode and the PDF file will also be included on the webpage citruslove.com slash episode 21. Go to that episode and you'll also have the PDF file. Also, another thing is in order to help support you and to help support other mothers by sharing these conversations, please leave a review. Go to the Apple podcast, leave a review, two, three, four, five stars, whatever you feel is right for you. Leave me a review, one quick word, one sentence, or just rate the podcast. This helps the podcast to be seen by more people and will help more mothers. So that's the point of all of this. So let's get to it and listen in on our conversation. Welcome, Virginia Elder. Thank you for being on Citrus Love Podcast today. Hi. <laughs> so before we get into talking about raising kids with smart money skills, I have a ran- very random question, but I'm like, I have to ask because on your website, your photos, you're sitting in this house. It's so clean. It's like, so that's no. <laughs> And I'm like, I have to ask her because it keeps bothering me. So So I love that question because I had somebody recently tell me that um, they found my pictures on my website as like inspiration for their kitchen. And I was like, girl, me too. (laughs) So actually when I was kind of creating my brand and going through colors and, you know, the vision of my brand, I was talking to a photographer friend and she's going to do my pictures for me. And I'm describing this kitchen and saying like, I don't know how to find a place that's like stage 
gauge where we could do this photo shoot. And so she was kind of bashful about it. It was so sweet. Um, She's trying to be humble. And she's like, well, we just redid our kitchen. And so you could come over here and just see if you like it. And <laughs> she sent me a couple of pictures. And I was like, girl, this is gorgeous. We are coming over. <laughs> so um, my photographer not only is a good friend, but she did fabulous pictures and we used her house. <laughs> mm, okay. Because I'm like, wow, her house is pretty. <laughs> yes. Brand new um, in a suburb north of here. And um, yeah, sh- those pictures are inspiration for my house too. So <laughs> good. Okay. So now that that is out of the way, let's get to why you're here. So you're here to talk about Money, money through motherhood, money mindset, and how to raise smart, money-savvy kids. So among the topics that I I still think most people avoid is, Uh is conversations about like religion, politics, and money. And I often hear that asking about it is considered rude if it's not like it's not your business if it's not your own money and it can cause a lot of stress and conflicts in couples. Mm -hmm. So that being said, today we're going there and talk about money when you're planning, (laughs) when you're planning on having kids. And also once you have kids, I believe that raising successful, confident, independent, and responsible kids means making them financially independent and capable of using their money wisely. Absolutely. So just before we talk about it, I want to learn a bit more about you. You wrote that you're a whiz with money. Uh, now. Yes. You're with- oh, okay. So give us a little backstory to what your relationship with money looked like before and after having kids. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we lived two or three different lives, you know, over the past several years. So I will share my husband and I met when we were 21, 23. Well, that's when we got married. So we met before that and we are about to have our 15 year anniversary. So 15 years, it just sounds crazy. Um, And so you could imagine, you know, your finances when you're 20 something versus when you're 30 something, we waited seven years to even try to have kids. Mm -hmm. And so that pre-kid seven year period, you know, we traveled, we didn't worry about anything. We both worked. There was always money coming in. We had plenty of savings. Um, At that time, CDs were profitable and had great rates and they were kind of the way to go. So I learned how to roll CDs, like as soon as one would come out with its interest, how to roll it into the next one. And so I kind of played with that and we remodeled our house. I mean, it just, we had a very plentiful um, mindset, I guess, about money. But Mm -hmm. I also want to say, while we were plentiful as far as like CDs and savings and remodeling our house and stuff like that, we did not focus on retirement. And so I think that that was like our big mistake in our 20s. We did have a couple of IRA accounts and we put some money away, but we weren't focused on it. And now I look back thinking, oh my gosh, we had no kids. We had no expenses. What? We missed out. You know, we -hmm. we could have had all the savings in retirement that we missed out on. So we traveled a little bit. We had a lot of fun. And then when we decided to have kids, we were actually moving around in the area. My husband and I both got new jobs. We bought our new house and had a kiddo within, gosh, a year. And at the same time, in the background, I was supporting a family member fully um, through a very rough patch in their life. And you know, we thought we could handle that. We thought, okay, we both work. Um, we have plenty of income. We've never really had to struggle per se with money. And so without really looking at the numbers, I was like, oh, sure. Like we'll help you out, you know, just kind of leading with my heart Mm -hmm. and not actually being realistic or tactical about it. And that's kind of what brought us here now because by doing that and having a growing family and buying a new home and taking all these steps all within a very short period of time, we ended up with $80,000 of debt actually 
in a very quick time period. Mm-hmm. And we did not make over $100,000 a year. So that level of debt was nearly as much as we made in a year. So the percentages were very scary looking to us, you know, when we would sit down and try to pay the bills weeking by. And I started to get kind of panicked. And that kind of just really began our debt-free journey and this whole focus on money. Because like I said, it was very free-flowing before. We never really paid attention to it and really budgeted down to the penny. But at that time, it got to where we had to and we had to focus hard. And I have full articles about how we did it and what we did it on my site and everything. I'm very open about that, but I'm trying to summarize quickly for the podcast, Mm -hmm. but it was, Mm -hmm. it was a long, tough journey with tears and stress. And, you know, there was definitely a point where I just sat down and I was like, what, what have we done? You know, this isn't the life that I wanted. This isn't the life that I want for my kids. You know, and I started imagining and picturing, you know, our, as mothers, our minds go crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started picturing, you know, the life that my kids would have being clouded by debt and stress about money versus the life that we might could provide if we could get our stuff under control. You know, when you look at things like that, I felt like it was really easy for me to choose which direction I wanted and therefore decide what I needed to mm-hmm. do, which was get stuff together. (laughs) So when did you, when did you get into that field in finances and started to be more conscious of money? And is that because you had been confronted with this real life? Oh my gosh, we're not gonna afford this or make this Mm -hmm. if we continue on this path. So I have an accounting degree and that's where I met my husband. You know, he got his teaching certificate and he's been a high school teacher and soccer coach all these years. I didn't use my degree for a long time and I did actually project management for construction for quite a while. And then right around 2010, I I decided I wanted to use my accounting degree and I got into tax and audit. I worked there for seven plus years. It's really interesting because you're thinking, okay, well, you're in tax and audit and you're dealing with numbers every day. And yes, I was, but I was dealing with it from the corporate side. You know, I'm looking at sales tax. I live in the US. And so it's sales tax and IRS taxes and all of that from the corporate perspective. And a lot of what I was doing was analyzing the tax law to Mm. see what they need to pay, if there are exemptions available for that company and helping them file for those exemptions and kind of going through that process. So our personal financial journey was going on in the background while I have this accounting career. So it sounds kind of mismatched, (laughs) kind of funny (laughs) that we would have a personal financial struggle at that time. But at the same time, it took a windfall basically of all these expensive events happening for Mm -hmm. us to kind of get slapped in the face and say, hey, wake up. Like you need to budget. You need to be intentionally saving. It took going completely negative to be able to say, hey, get it together in order to work to get positive. I think we would have just floated along not paying attention and everything just being kind of okay if that didn't happen. So this is one of those instances where a lot of tears and stress and arguments and all of that, and you think it's like the worst moment in your life. And I openly say that that was definitely our rock bottom because it was very stressful on our relationship. My relationship with that family member is very strained who we were helping and funding and gave a ton of money to. I learned a lot about boundaries. Just so much happened (laughs) Mm -hmm. within that time. And it was definitely like a rock bottom moment. But that's why I've been able to feel like I have such an abundant life now and be able to really get on top of things and learn about money. And it really just fostered my passion about creating the life that we want instead of the life that we just accidentally walked into. Mm -hmm. So- You quit your job last June to do what you do full time. That mainly focused on helping mothers with their own money mindset and finances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So why are you focusing on mothers? (laughs) That is an awesome question. I'm so glad you asked that. Actually, when we were 
at our rock bottom. So I kind of want you to like go with me down this path. I'm sitting there, you know, my two-year-old, things have been getting more difficult. I'm very aware that the bills that are coming in each month, I'm going to have to sit down and really look at things to make sure that we can pay them. And then my daughter comes along. And so now I've got my son and my daughters in my arms and I'm in the rocking chair. And all I can think about is just the bills that are coming and the fact that we basically have no money and when's the next pay period and oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And okay, if I have to make a choice, I'm going to pay the electricity bill over a credit card because we need light and water and I'm going to do everything we can to keep our house. And I guess we could let the car go because then we would have just one other car and maybe we could figure that out. And my mind is just racing with thoughts like this about what I could give up to make the rest remain stable, right? Mm -hmm. and, and kind of going through those options. And so at that time, you know, that day, of course, was kind of my turning point where I decided, nope, not doing this anymore. We have to fix this. And at that time, I remember looking and searching like, okay, there has to be another mom, a, a coach, a guidance counselor, like somebody mm -hmm. who's, who's a mom with young kids who can help me, who has been through this, who is open to talking about money or something. Like I just need somebody, you know, I'm mm -hmm. looking for help help. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find her. And maybe she does exist, right? I'm sure there's plenty of other women out there who would raise their, their hand and say, Hey, you know, I wish we got in touch at that time. And I wish that too. But for some reason, I could not find her. Mm -hmm. It took time to develop. I didn't decide in that moment that I was going to become her, you know, as we went through our journey, which it took us three full hard years to get from 80,000 in debt, to debt free. And it was hard and required so much focus. You know, the conversations and the phone calls and the coordination and everything that it took for me to juggle things the way that I did. I look back and I don't know how I did it, but it happened. <laughs> and so I'm very proud of that. But through that three-year journey, I continued to look. I did find some female podcasters on money and investing mm -hmm. and things like that. So I learned a lot, but somewhere in there, actually in 2018, I launched my website, which I was still working full-time and I was just going to do it as a blog, like on the side. I really didn't have a business plan <laughs> set, <laughs> but it's just funny how you know, if you're open to it, things do come to you. Exactly. And this is one of those things that I launched the website and people said, oh my gosh, like, I love your story. We went through that too. And I had women reaching out saying, oh my gosh, we're in debt also. Like, how did you get out of it? So that kind of inspired me to write the how-to articles. And yeah, it just took off from there. Um, wow. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the story. Because Thank you. Thoughts you had as a mother. Mm. I can, I can relate to those thoughts. It affects your kids. It's not mm -hmm. just you now. You right. Know? So it's a, it puts more pressure on you have to be stable and it's like have this security level. Yeah. Just my husband and I, I know we could have survived eating rice and beans and bare minimum and just scraping by. But then, yeah. yeah, then I was thinking, okay, but we have diapers and we have daycare and we have this mm -hmm. and this and this. And in no way did I ever feel like my kids were a burden. That's not where I'm going. Mm -hmm. But it was just this level of responsibility. And hey, I created this financial situation. I have to get us out. Like I am the responsible party yeah. here. And just that, that level of responsibility can be stressful mm -hmm. or it can be exhilarating. It's mm -hmm. just the way you take it. Yeah. So your website is called Happy Healthy Abundance. What does living an abundant life mean for you? Yeah, another good question. <laughs> so abundance to me is a lot of people take from like a religious term and we aren't very religious, but you know, abundance to us is really just experiencing present in the moment and being grateful for those moments, making eye contact, having a real connection with each other and with our children. And when your kid comes home from school and they want to show you their homework, just taking those few minutes while they want your attention to 
actually reciprocate and give eye contact and look at the paper together. And, you know, just really being visible to each other on a consistent basis mm-hmm. and, and visible, not just with your eyes, but like the feeling of connection. And then also just abundance, you know, it's easy to think about with money, just realizing that positivity and energy and good things can come into your life from any direction unexpectedly all the time. If you're just open to it and aware of the possibility, the idea that what you focus on grows. So if you're focused on the negative things and the bad days and the rough nights where you Mm -hmm. woke up at 2am to a crying baby, then you're going to notice that more often. But mm-hmm. if you focus on the nights that they went to bed easily and slept well and you feel revived when you wake up, then you're going to notice those more often. Mm-hmm. So just really focusing on those positive moments and being present in them as often as possible. Mm. Okay. Some statistics to share before we get into the money talks and tips. So you live in the States. I live in Canada. So I'm Mm going to share a few stats about finances and parenting in Canada and then uh, one for both U.S. and Canada. So I found that about 1.2 million separated or divorced Canadians have children 18 years or younger and financial problems are the leading cause of divorce. Mm -hmm. 54% of parents with children for and under use childcare. 65% of parents with an annual household income of at least $100,000 use childcare. But for households with income below $40,000 a year, only 34% use childcare. While in Quebec, I'm in Quebec, childcare <laughs> is subsidized by the government. So the costs are very low here. You can even get a daycare at $7 a day, but that's like very <laughs> exceptional. <Wow. laughs> yes, that's very exceptional. But everywhere else in Canada, it's much higher. One of the highest is in Ontario. The cost is 677 dollars a month per child. The question that parents and parents-to-be often think about is the cost of raising a child. So in Canada, according to the 2011 article from personal finance magazine Money Sense, it says that, which works out to today, the cost of raising a child in Canada is $257,364. And according Mm. to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, it has a similar estimate of $233,610. So that's for child born around 2015. So mm-hmm. when you think about this, and before I, I became a parent, and even to this day, I still hear parents say, if we have kids, I don't know how I'm going to manage it. Like we have so many expenses already, or I really, I don't think we can have more than one child or or even two. We'll have to see how it goes. Of course, if financially you can't afford it, you don't want to raise kids while, where you're always struggling and stress and it's not going to establish a healthy environment for the child. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you have to think about so many factors. Okay, so let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. The first thing you said is that we should have as mothers a healthy foundation around money so that mm-hmm. we should talk about is a mother's money belief and how this can be transferred to her children. So what beliefs do mothers have that prevent them from from living an abundant life or money relationship to their kid? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, honestly, is going to be things that you don't even realize you're saying or believing or thinking. Actually, so this is useful for us to know and for when you're looking at your developing child. So by the age of three, Kids can understand just basic concepts about money, whether you have it, whether you don't, that you have to pay money to get things, just very basic concepts. So for us, think back, you know, if I was a three-year-old, where did my family live? What was our life like? You know, did we have money? Did we not? And I'll tell you, my family did not. My dad worked three jobs at one point. I know that my family really struggled back then. So then fast forward just a little bit until you're seven years old. And so you can look at this for your kid. If you have a kiddo that's about seven 
Or if you want to think about your own personal life, like where were you and where was your family when you were seven? Because by seven, we develop our money mindset. And so that's really funny to say and really shocking and a little bit scary because it's so young, young, right? And you're thinking, okay, but so for example, I have a seven-year-old. I guarantee you if I asked him, hey, buddy, what do you think about money? He would just look at me like I was a weirdo because... Because they can't verbalize it. They don't Mm -hmm. know how to identify their feelings and put them into words. They don't have the vocabulary to be able to explain what they think about money. But just keep that in mind. Even though they can't say it, it is set. So even though you couldn't probably have said the way that you felt about money at the age of seven, you can start to look at your life now and say, oh my gosh, You know, if I mutter the phrase constantly under my breath that we can't afford that, where did I get that? Oh my gosh, that's what Mm -hmm. my dad used to say, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just stuff like that. I always kind of revert back to the phrase that common sense isn't common. I really strongly believe that common sense is taught at a very young age. And so it's not something that we remember. And it's the same thing with some of these inner mantras that we tend to repeat to ourselves about money. Mm -hmm. So some negative ones could be like the perpetual feeling that there's never enough. So like, oh, I never have enough money or, oh, you know, gosh, I never carry cash because I'll just blow it. Or, you know, when something happens, like maybe you went to the store thinking there was a sale on something and then they're out of stock and you have this negative immediate response that's like, oh, junk like that always happens to me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of those negative little phrases that you probably wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. But when you flip it and you start to look at, hey, that is kind of negative. Oh, hey, that is you know, telling myself that this constantly happens to me when that's not true. Where did I get that? Why do I believe that? And some of those phrases that we say, even though we think them or we say them under our breath, once in a while, it will come actually come out of your mouth and your kiddo hears it and they pick it up. And even if you don't, they read your body language. Like kids are so intuitive. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Um, And I don't say any of this to be like, you know, scaring anyone to watch every emotion and reaction that you have. A healthy expression of emotions is important. And so if you're really frustrated about something, be frustrated. Explain to your kid, mommy's really frustrated right now because I thought this and they're out of stock and we really needed that. And so I'm just upset. And it's okay for you to say that and explain that to your kid because that helps them understand the reaction that they're seeing and the emotions that you're going through. A way to flip it instead of saying, oh, that always happens to me. You know, it's it's hard at first, but if you could flip that and say, you know what? Every day is a new experience and I'm going to be grateful for it. And maybe this will lead me to something that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of flips things and opens your mind to the fact that there could be a positive twist. What would you say? Because I know one thing, especially with kids, they want to go into this toy store or buy that new bike because that my friend has one. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes you want to say it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. What do you Mm -hmm. say instead of that? So instead of that, for one, I really like to just look at my kids in the eye and ask them a few more questions about why they want that, what they're feeling and all of that. But if you have that immediate response, that's like, we can't afford that. That's too expensive. You know, something along those lines, I want to suggest that instead you say, you know, honey, I agree. That's a beautiful bicycle, but Right now, we are making different choices with our money. Mm, I and love I, that. <laughs> thank you. And I love that phrase. Yeah. If, you know, if anything comes up, you can use it on yourself. Like the example that I always use is like a coffee shop because I love to get the fancy lattes. <laughs> but sometimes I just got to be realistic and be like, no, you have to get the dollar coffee and put mm-hmm. your own cream and sugar in there and you will be just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so in my head, I say, you know what? Today I'm making a different choice with my money Mm -hmm. and it works on me. 
And, and if you use that and repeat that and model it, and you are able to use a few examples of sacrifices that you've made to your kid, then when they want that bicycle and you say, well, you know, we are going to make different choices with our money today. Maybe we can look at getting something like that for your birthday. Your birthday is eight months away, so we can start to save for it. And right there, you've opened up the conversation to strategy, to savings, to the potential of maybe if they want to help earn some money. If You know, you can just go any direction with that conversation instead of just shutting it down saying, no, we can't afford that. And so right there also what I want to highlight is that just the same as a seven-year-old may not be able to verbalize their feelings about money, even though it does exist, they also make crazy assumptions based on what we say and our reactions that they don't even realize that they're doing. Okay. It's all in the subconscious. It's all in the background. And so when you say we can't afford that, their brain immediately goes, oh my gosh, my mom does not even have $80. (laughs) We're poor. Oh my gosh. Are we going to eat? You know, mm-hmm. and and they don't understand that their brain is doing that. They they aren't in control of that. It's not a conscious thought. So not only are they like being told no for that thing, which that's fine. We do have to tell our kids no. But the phrase we can't afford that triggers a lot of other scarcity thoughts. Mm. And that is something that we as mothers are trying to work to get out of, right? We don't want to have this scarcity mindset in any part of our life, right? So so that's where I think we can kind of take where we feel like we need work on ourselves and then also do that work with our kids in a very verbal, open way so that they don't develop some of the same issues that we're having to deal with as adults. Yeah. When I was preparing for our conversation, Mm -hmm. there was this thought and some parents might be offended by it. I don't know, (laughs) but I have to ask because Mm -hmm. you you talk about what you focus on, expands Uh or flows and grows. So with that Mm -hmm. in mind, and I saw a post of a mother and she mentioned how they have a child and to save money, they have to say no to some events. They're invited to birthdays because it gets expensive and Mm -hmm. also a kid's activity. Activities, they stick to being outdoors because it's free. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, as a mother, you have this way of thinking. You're saying to yourself, obviously, you're not saying mm-hmm. to your child, but you're you're thinking, I can't afford this. We have to budget. So mm-hmm. we're going to cut that. Mm-hmm. So we have to limit ourselves. Why I, I had this thought is because my partner, who is an entrepreneur, so he loves money. Okay, to put it <laughs> And we had conversation one. It was basically about, he said, when I see something I want or for whichever reason and I can't afford it, I'll find a way to get the money. Instead of I'll cut back on this, 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 to have the money, I'll just maybe take an extra shift. I'll sell something I'm not using anymore. You know, I'll find Mm -hmm. a way. And I thought this was very interesting because that's not how I grew up up where mm-hmm. that's not where my money mindset was at at all I would have thought okay what can we cut back on and mm-hmm. for him it's the other way so I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering what's your thought on this yeah no so I love that um that is definitely a very abundant mindset and i really wish that that was more ingrained in all of us and so it's definitely a a personality type. And of course you you start making generalizations, but women in general tend to have a more fearful, more scarce mindset. We are the Mm -hmm. protectors. We are the growers of our family. You know, even in nature, the, the male of the species is like out, you know, I don't know, doing whatever. And the mom bird or any, you know, whichever animal you want to look at, the mama is protecting the babies. And Mm -hmm. so we are kind of ingrained in like the protection and almost like a, like a fear mindset. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really, I've had to work myself on training my brain to say, you know, money is flowing all around me. I deserve some of it. It is coming to me. I am attracting more money daily. You know, each moment is an opportunity for helpful, positive reactions. You know, just any phrase that you can 
come up with, you know, I do have a free download. I think you're going to have it for a freebie um, for your listeners. So I'm excited to provide that. But yeah, there are some positive phrases that I really do recommend that we start to train our brains. Mm-hmm. And there might be something that you look at an activity and maybe it's a little bit expensive. And then you think, I don't even like doing that anyways. Why are we, <laughs> why are we going there? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's an easy thing. Okay. Sure. Cancel that. And that frees up that space and that budget for you to do something that you really like. So I think it's a balancing act for sure. As far as activities that really, truly bring you in your family joy that are worth the money that you're paying for. And then that you really want to do like that, I'd say go for it. And like your husband was saying, you know, sell something, look for a way to earn extra money, be open to opportunities. That's what I've been practicing lately is just not questioning how something's going to happen, but just kind of approaching the universe with open arms and saying, I'm open to opportunities. Things are coming my way. I don't know what they are. I don't care. They're going to be amazing. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, I'm just open to it. And and sure, that helps your day-to-day positive mindset, but it also actually works. Things have been happening for me in the most unexpected ways just because I've been open to it. And so that can work with your budget. That can work with activities, anything. So Mm -hmm. I really love that um, shift. What are Mm -hmm. things that mothers can do if they identify some negative money mindset or old beliefs? How can they Mm -hmm. clean up these poor beliefs? Um, So the biggest thing is first just noticing it, catching that negative thought and kind of identifying what that negative phrase is. A lot of times we've never even done that self-evaluation. And that first step would be noticing and catching that thought. And then the second step would be evaluating why you think that. And is that your thought? Where did that come from? Is that something you got from your father, from your mother, aunt, uncle? Like who who influenced that thought? Because like I said, a lot of times our ideas are not actually ours that we don't even realize we're carrying around. Mm-hmm. So that would be the second step is kind of identifying why and where that came from. And if you actually believe, you know, or the thought, if you sit there and say, oh, we can't afford that. Okay, hold on. Why do you think that? Is that true? Can you actually not afford that? Maybe you just need to shift some things around, or maybe you just need to sell that chair in the corner that you hate anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once you kind of do that self-work, then it's about purposefully replacing those phrases with a positive phrase. And I'll be honest, you're going to feel silly at first. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to just be like, I am a complete weirdo. I'm repeating positive phrases to myself in the mirror and I hope nobody sees me. (laughs) But, um, you know, if you have to put your headphones in and talk and say these phrases and someone will think that you're on the phone. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but but repeat these phrases until you believe them, until they become true, until they sound natural to you. You mm-hmm. know, if you have to tweak the phrase to make it apply to your life, that's fine. And, and when you catch yourself repeating one of those, oh, you know, we can't afford that or it's not my fault or one of those like negative phrases again, catch it and make yourself kind of chant that positive replacement phrase so that you're consciously rewiring your brain toward an abundant mindset Mm. on purpose. Mm, That's good. Okay. So let's talk about the different age groups, how to teach your kids about money. On your website, you started with zero to two years. What Mm -hmm. can we do during early years? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely people are like, how can you teach a baby about money. Like that's <laughs> ridiculous. So I do want to say that stage is a sensory motor stage. It's they're developing their senses. And really the biggest determining factor right there is all about just interaction with your baby. It's the silly songs, it's reading books, it's stacking blocks, counting from one to 10, and them just hearing and learning from you based on your facial expressions, your tone of voice, your eye contact, that's a big one. And just 
being with your baby, being present with your baby. Why is that related to money though? (laughs) So that develops the basic skills as far as attention. Um, It develops their vocabulary. And it's shown that kids that have that level of strong, responsive interaction from a very young age have a greater sense of self-control, which is huge for many, and then that they're able to avoid distraction as they get older. Mm. So distraction with money could be, you know, the shiny object syndrome, the new car every month or, you know, every year, Mm -hmm. um, things like that, that would quote unquote distract us from our budget or our financial goals. All of that just is the, almost like the launch pad for early childhood development. So your next age group, you said Mm -hmm. it's three to seven called the pre-operational stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that stage, this is a big age gap, right? A Uh three-year-old versus a seven-year-old is very different. And there's a lot of growth that happens within those years. So for one, what's going on between the ages of three to seven is they're developing logic, cause and effect, understanding, reasoning, all of that is developing through these ages. But with money, you know, cause and effect, that's a big deal. And so they're developing the understanding of cause and effect. So just working with toys and other things like that through that age is really good. To break it down between three to five is a a little bit of a smaller window. So those are the preschool years for all my mamas in preschool. And at that time, you're going to want to teach things like delayed gratification. Um, Yeah, that's a tough one to teach. Yeah, Yeah, we struggle with that, right? So why wouldn't we want to teach our kids that from a young age so they can completely be awesome at it when they're in Mm -hmm. their 30s? (laughs) So, um, And then start talking about goals and even some of these positive mindset phrases. If you just imagine like the difference that their life could have and be if they just grow up having these positive mindsets, you know, that, that they're proud and excited to approach each day, that they're responsible for their actions and choices. And just if some of that's ingrained from a young age, I think they're just on a launch pad to a whole new level. So yes. Counting money. They love to play with money. <laughs> right. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So remember I said at the very beginning, three-year-olds can understand basic concepts, mm-hmm. addition, subtraction, like, you know, maybe they won't get the numbers, but you know, if I have five pennies and you have two, who has more? Mm-hmm. You know, just basic stuff. And you get them handling money and playing with it. And of course, the younger the babies, you have to watch them. You don't want a choking issue. <laughs> <laughs> that always scares me. But but yeah, if you just start making money available to them, give them a piggy bank. Start talking about saving money and putting money in your piggy bank, making it fun and let it be exciting, you know, and like they have a responsibility and give them a quarter and let them put it in their piggy bank mm-hmm. and just start to develop some of that, just opportunities to interact with money, to talk about money. The more you're open with it, with your child, it's going to benefit you as a mom because you're going to get more confident and comfortable with those financial conversations, even just by talking about quarters and dollars with your child. Mm-hmm. For parents, the thing that we debate is how much money should we be actually paying our kids Mm -hmm. or giving our kids? There are formula by age. I am looking into that. I have not come across something like that yet. Um, For us, even just on our street, you know, the kid down the street gets paid a whole bunch of money and my (laughs) son doesn't. And so he's like, that's not fair. And I'm like, you know what, honey? Different families make different choices. Mm. And this is our choice. And I can either give you this or we can choose not to give you this. And so, of course, his eyes kind of get big and he goes, oh, yeah, I want this. (laughs) (laughs) And I try to explain to him, you know, you're only seven. You have your whole life in front of you. You'll get to an age where you can mow the grass for money. And I guarantee you, a bunch of neighbors will want to pay you. You know, we can come up with other opportunities for you to earn money as you grow taller, get bigger, get older, and you get more responsible. Mm -hmm. So I just try to keep it as like an encouragement. But yeah, and what I did is I made like a popsicle stick jar situation where it has the name of a chore written on 
one side of the pop popsicle stick and a dollar amount, which really a lot of them are just change, like 50 cents, 25 cents, low values, because I wanted it to be change that I have in my purse. I don't want it to be, you know, $5 when maybe I didn't have $5 mm -hmm. in cash today. Mm -hmm. So I put it at low values. And when they do that chore, they bring me the popsicle stick and I can glance and see if they actually did the chore, you know, exchange them the money right there and make it kind of a, an immediate payout. And as they get older, you can start doing the thing where they do the work and then they get paid the next Saturday mm -hmm. or something like that. And that starts teaching that delay. But while they're really young, you want to kind of show them that their effort gets rewarded pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. so that they can still identify the work with the reward. Mm -hmm. There's something that you talk about for kids uh, six to seven years old. You mm -hmm. mentioned using a coloring sheet to teach mm -hmm. kids about working towards a goal. I love this idea. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that too. Um, I saw it. And there's different coloring sheets, even for adults, toward your financial goals. I did create one. It's like a gumball jar. And yeah, you can have your kids set a goal. Like for example, the bike we were talking about earlier, they want a new bike. Okay. So this is how much the bike is. And there's 60 gumballs in my gumball jar on my coloring sheet that I designed. And so you take that value, divide it. And every time they put a certain amount of money in their piggy bank, they get to color in a gumball so they can see it Sometimes when you look at money, even in a piggy bank, if you can see through it, it just the value, you can't tell how much is in there. But when they're coloring a gumball sheet, they can see, you know, for one, it's coloring. So, but they can see it actually filling up and it's exciting that when you put your money in there, now you get to color in a gumball. Mm -hmm. Talking about allowance and commission, this is the concept I've heard. Mm -hmm. I think it was Dave Ramsey who mm -hmm. talked about this and I had never heard it this way. I, <laughs> I'll explain it quickly, but I want your thoughts on that. Basically, as parents, we shouldn't be giving our kids allowances or paying them for like clean up your room because as in real life, that's not what we get paid for unless mm -hmm. that's your professional work. But uh, saying that, commission is basically you work, you get paid. You don't work, you you don't get paid. And that translates well into what the real world uh, work is. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that giving an allowance is basically saying this is how much money you, you get on a regular basis, regardless of how much work you did. Yeah, I... And of course, there's people on both sides of this, so I don't want yeah. to start a war, <laughs> but um, I really am on the commission-based train mm -hmm. because I really do want my kids to be valuable contributors to society. And I want them to be successful based on their ideas and their effort. And I feel like commission is going to be the way that I'm, you know, teaching that and furthering that concept at this point, rather than kind of a salary mindset mm -hmm. where I never want them to get the idea that you can show up to work and do nothing and still get paid mm -hmm. because the reality is Maybe you can pull that off for a little bit, but one day somebody's going to fire you. <laughs> so, And so I want them to feel in control of what they can earn because that's a big thing, right? Like we are happiest when we feel, we have the perception that we are in control. And so the commission mindset and strategy, I think really helps with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard that when the child makes his own money or receives an amount fixed mm -hmm. each month, and then when they say, okay, this is the money you have for this month or this week, you can do whatever you want with it. But when it's done, it's done. Like mm -hmm. you have to learn to choose what's really important to you. And I thought this was amazing. Mm -hmm. My gosh, yes. I should have learned this. <laughs> I know, I, I know. I should have known. 
I know, right? So that kind of goes a little further into, and I think this is a great concept for Mm -hmm. um, maybe like ages seven to 11, because that would be, I think when you're more likely to hand your kid, you know, a a larger amount of money and allow them to go to the school fair or a friend's house or the movies or like, I don't know, you know, just something a, a little bit more mature where they're in control of what they spend. If we can teach that to our kids from a young age, and it's going to be hard, okay? If you're at the fair and you hand your kid a 20 and they immediately go spend the whole thing on some game and it was supposed to last them for two hours, you're going to have to say no for another hour and a half and see them (laughs) cry and see them be frustrated And as long as those expectations are set and then they blow it, you're going to have to be kind of quote unquote, the mean mom and say no. So this is an important thing to remember. Sometimes it hurts us because we feel like we're being mean more than it's actually hurting them. Mm. And when we give in and we go, oh, okay, well, just this time I'll give you five more dollars. We're not helping them. We're actually teaching them that, you know, there's always going to be unlimited resources, instilling that ability to rely on credit accidentally from a young age. Mm-hmm. When should we actually open an account for kids? Oh, good one. So it's going to have to be under um, supervision, of course, but I have accounts open for both of my kids already, and they are five and seven years old. You mm-hmm. can open an account for a child when they're born. The biggest thing for us, the struggle is in my family, we have a threshold. When you save up a hundred dollars, we go to the bank and we make a big deal of it. And it's exciting. <laughs> and we, you know, we'll go get ice cream and we'll, you know, we make a big deal of it. Like you are putting a hundred dollars in your account. You're amazing and awesome. And you did such a good job saving. So the other key there is my son knows and my daughter's learning, but my son is very, very clear on this. <laughs> He's all doing the math. <laughs> when they have a hundred dollars and we go to the bank, I also put in a hundred dollars. So each of their $100 deposits is actually 200 in their account. You know, maybe you want your threshold to be $50 or depending on, you know, life situations and budgets and all that stuff. To me, a hundred, I knew it would take them some work to get up to a hundred. So we wouldn't have to be going to the bank very often because <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for trips to the bank, <laughs> but um, we didn't open them accounts as babies. We opened it, I want to say probably about four years old for each kiddo. And at that time I knew they were young, but they did understand, okay, we're at the bank. This is my account. You know, I let them handle their cash for that initial deposit of a hundred dollars. Like they felt very special. Of course, the bank employees kind of made a big deal of it too. Mm -hmm. And, and they understand. Do they have a debit card with that account? No. So it is this one here. And of course, it depends on laws by state and of course, by country and all that. But here in Texas, it is a minor savings account. I have access to it. Like when I log on to see my accounts online, I see it. Here in Texas, we can convert the account when they are teenagers to be a monitored teenage checking account. Mm. But we might establish some little bit of income and some light bills that they are responsible for. Like, gosh, these days, all the kids want phones. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of the month, we might do something where you get an initial income of a certain value and you have to pay all your bills with it. And their bills would be whatever teenagers need. Between 7 and 11, they start to develop external awareness of events, like the fact that other people have money and the fact that different people earn different values of money and that external world starts to come into focus for these kids. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, if you've worked from three to seven years old, developing logic and talking about money openly and reading money books and handling money and you know, all these little things and they have a savings account and they know what it means to go to the bank. By the time their external world starts to become more real to them, that foundation is going to be so valuable and they're going to be miles ahead of their little friends and all that as far as the money management Mm -hmm. mindset. 
you mm-hmm. say that in this group, 7 to 11, you can even start talking to them about loans, credit scores, interest, these money-related terms. <laughs> and when mm-hmm. I read that, I'm like, oh, really? Because yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to teach my kids, well, they're toddlers still, but I would probably need to Google a few of these definitions because no one really explained these yes. terms. Yeah. yeah. So there again, it's like they do really absorb and can learn things that we almost don't give them credit for. And I agree with you 100%. Um, I very vividly remember my dad with the checkbook, with bills and telling me that he was paying bills. And he went over some basic subtraction and addition with me, showing me, you know, the money in the checkbook. But it really didn't, I didn't comprehend actual budgeting which is, you know, you have one value at the top and then all your bills have to be paid for that and you still have to have money left over for food. (laughs) You know, he didn't go over that with me. We didn't talk about stock investment, interest in credit. You know, that was a big lesson I missed out on was credit cards. If we can just lightly kind of like raindrop or or dribble those topics around the conversation, there again, it's going to get us as moms more comfortable talking about money with our kid in like a safe space. The kid's not going to judge you for your knowledge, especially if you make it like, oh, um, let's look this up together. Let's Mm. check this out. Let's learn about this together. They're going to see that you're learning too. And maybe you can read through it and be like, oh yeah, I knew that. But (laughs) (laughs) but you can share it in an open way and allow for more questions. And the biggest thing is just allowing that conversation. Mm -hmm. So the last age group, you said basically teenagers, so 11 Mm -hmm. years and older, you talked about credit cards and you wrote that credit card, credit cards isn't free money. And I love this and that we should teach our kids that it's not money. So tell us what should we tell our kids about credit cards, credit cards and debit cards? Yeah, so definitely helping them understand the biggest thing is teaching them what makes it a debit card and what makes it a credit card and understanding that when you use your debit card, it's coming immediately out of your checking account versus when you use your credit card, you're creating a bill for yourself. You have to take money, like real money, and pay that towards the credit card. It's like you're borrowing money from someone. And I've even asked my son and give him an open question like, okay, would I rather buy the fruit today at the grocery store with cash that's in my bank that I would use this card? Or would I rather use this card and like borrow somebody's money and then have to pay them back? And so then he just kind of thinks about it for just a second. He's like, no, I think we should just use our money. And I said, oh, you don't want to pay somebody back later? And he's (laughs) like, no, no, we might forget. (laughs) Yes, and adults sometimes do. (laughs) Yes, and I just, I love that. I really am trying to open, ask open-ended questions like, what do you think? And then depending on what he says, I'm going to say, okay, well, if we do that, then we have to do this and this is what happens. And I'm just explaining it and being open. It's basic concepts, but honestly, there's no fear there because it's your child. They look up to you and love you and they think that you are the internet, right? Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. like you know everything. And so this is the safest, best way to start getting getting comfortable with that money conversation. And if there is a topic you want to address, it's just like you said, go Google it and then gently and openly discuss it with the kiddo and ask them what they think and try to encourage that feedback. I remember when I was almost done high school and I had to book something online, I think a summer camp, and we could only confirm it with a credit card, but I didn't have a credit card at that time. So I remember my mom saying that maybe we should get a credit card for you because it will help to establish uh, your credit score for later on. I mean, if you want to buy a house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always <laughs> remembered that. Mm -hmm. I really do. I am a cash advocate, but I'm also, I'm not a credit hater. (laughs) For us, I feel secure um, using credit online because let's just be real. Like most of our purchases these days are 
some mm-hmm. kind of online transaction, but it is a constant requirement of focus that those credit card purchases do not get out of hand and that you must be able to pay it off each month. And if I'm ever just really buckling down and focusing on the budget, I will pick a couple of categories that I spend and I will pull out cash for those categories in order to kind of keep it under control and just make me really feel the money as Mm -hmm. I'm spending it. And that kind of works psychologically for me. You know, all of this teaching your kids about money, people might think like, oh, well, you know, what am I going to say or what can I do when we have a disastrous financial situation? How could I possibly teach my kid the right things if like we have debt? And so that's where I think, again, it's just open conversation and Hey, mommy and daddy have some things we're working on paying for, you know, we're focused on that. And so that's why we're budgeting because we want to make sure we pay these bills and have cash for these other things. Yeah. Actually this week I, I talked to my, my son's four and he's always asking for new toys and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. You've had your birthday. You're good until next year. Yes. But, and I had to explain to him that even though we make money you can't spend all your money like what if you have a flat tire on the car you need to have mm-hmm. money to get a new tire so i've been trying to tell him these easy concepts that he can understand and i could see him thinking and oh yeah okay okay yeah you know? yeah no i love that that you're just chatting about it like be maybe you mentally set a limit for your checking account like we cannot get below $500. We cannot get below $1,000, whatever it is. And you go past that and then boom, like you said, the flat tire or something. What do you do? You rely Mm -hmm. on credit to finance the new tires and you Mm -hmm. just started that cycle accidentally. And so I also really like the concept that we aren't successful as entrepreneurs or as moms or with our money or with really anything without being intentional. You don't accidentally get rich. You don't accidentally have a great retirement fund. If you're Mm -hmm. intentional about it, you will. If you're intentional about teaching your kids about money. Mm. Yeah. And you say in the end, it's all about teaching your kids uh, to practice self-control and their spending behavior. Mm -hmm. Big time. The challenge is not being wishy-washy, like allowing things sometimes, but then being firm other Mm. times. We have Mm -hmm. to try to find that stability where, you know, the level of expectation is set. (laughs) I'd love to know for you, Virginia, what Mm -hmm. are some things you wish you had known much earlier about money? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Money um, in general, just being able to handle money and understand, like you said, when it's gone, it's gone. That's it. You don't rely on credit. That was a behavior that was modeled for me, especially In my early teens, I kind of looked around and everything we had was financed. And I thought that that's how you get things. I thought that, you know, okay, you want a car, you go to the dealership, you sign up and you just pay for it. You know, if you kind of the concept that if you can afford the payment, you can afford it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I just despise that concept now. So now I've tried to shift my mindset to if you have the cash you know, to pay for it outright, that's when you can afford it. And that is a hard shift, especially considering, you know, like I said, that's what was modeled for me for such a long time. So that was ingrained. So I'm really doing the work to almost like rewire that thought process as far as when I was young versus what we're modeling for our kids now. And a lot of that has to do with financing or cash or how we're paying for it or how we're saving for something. And I'll tell my son, like, you know, I opened a new savings account today. We are going to start saving for, you know, whatever, a new car for daddy. Mm-hmm. Won't that be cool? And mm-hmm. you know, so I'll ask him, like, how much do you think a car is? And so he'll tell me like $5,000. I'm like, hmm, okay, we might could get a car like that. But so we'll start talking about the money. But I just try to be open. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's work to do. And yes, it's not in public schools. And I think that's definitely lacking. But I think it's just like discipline, right? It starts at home. It starts with the conversations and the 
emotions, you know, whether someone's being addressed in a positive way emotionally and all of that. And it translates into money just the same way. It starts at home. So if we talk about it at home and we become being comfortable with the subject in private within our own walls, we are going to ourselves be more comfortable speaking out with our girlfriends or with other family members about it. But then also we're raising our kid to be comfortable with it so that we're breaking that taboo. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really, really big, important step for now. So where can listeners find more about you, your work, you offer um, coaching. I saw that you Mm -hmm. offer a free consultation too. So tell us all the the details. Yeah. um, I would love for people to follow me at happy, healthy abundance on Instagram. And then my website is happyhealthyabundance.net. And here locally, I do teach a local workshop once a month. It's free. And I have a podcast. My podcast is called Reaching Abundance. So I would love for a few folks to check that out. Yeah, you you nailed it. I offer coaching specifically for moms around debt freedom, building savings, teaching their kids, and just overall managing their household money safely Mm -hmm. and happily. (laughs) I have one last question, which I Mm -hmm. ask to everyone that comes on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So we all know that being a mother and a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Mm. So I'm sure I'm not the only person to say this, but Brene Brown is like the best friend that I always needed. (laughs) Um, She has several books out and right now I'm about to start reading Daring Greatly. And her big topic is just about being open and vulnerable and accepting who we are and doing big things and not being afraid of what people think. Sometimes that's really hard as mothers, you know, especially when you're in Target and your kid's throwing a fit, you're thinking that everyone's judging you and just realizing that a lot of times I'm the only one judging me. And so to just kind of release that judgment and that frees me up so much and just allows me to parent the way that I feel I need to in that moment. Um, So yeah, if anybody has not heard of Brene Brown, I highly recommend you find her. <laughs> yeah. And she has, you've seen her Netflix special. Yes. Oh my God, it's oh, so amazing. So good. Everybody yeah. needs to watch that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh change your life. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcasts. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys.